This is Leaders Lens, the show that reveals what it really takes to become a great leader. I'm Jacob Espinoza, a Fortune 500 leadership consultant and director of career success at Workweek. Let's go. I think some people have this historical figure they look to. For me personally, there's a manager that I had named Jordan who, have you seen the meme where it's the guy that's like chipping rocks but he quits right before he gets to the diamond? Yes. I was like, she was the person that helped me not quit in that moment. Like completely would have changed the trajectory of my life if I would have just thrown the towel in and given up. But she had a conversation and it was just like, I want to help you. I don't know how to help you. What's going on? And for some reason, that just like sparked a like resilience inside of me. And it's just like so much of leadership is just taking the time to show people that you care and that you're invested in their success. That you're human. She acted from a human centric perspective, a people centric perspective of how are you doing and we are back at the Leaders Lens podcast. Today, I have my incredible guest, Chaki Kwaku. 13 years experience developing people. She's doing trainings, individual coaching, big on giving feedbacks, giving feedback. 11 plus years, a nonprofit, experiencing strategic relationships in both internal and external roles, currently working as Change at Work program manager with the Predictive Index. And Chaki, thank you so much for making time to be here at the Leaders Lens podcast. We appreciate you. My pleasure. I'm really excited to be here and have this conversation with you, Jacob. I love it. So, Jackie, when you think leadership, what are the qualities that come to mind? Who are the people that come to mind when you think about this is the role model? This is what being an incredible leader means to me. I love this question. I really think about leading with empathy, being a lifelong learner. That's how I live my life. And so I think the idea that you can learn something new every single day from anybody, regardless of their status, their tenure, their where they are in the hierarchy of an organization. I think being able to leap inquiry in that sense of always asking questions, seeking, just being curious about others, and really just the emotional intelligence is necessary. Being able to operate where you know yourself and have that self-awareness on how to operate is really instrumental. And I love the idea of like, who are the like role models? Yes. For me, honestly, I think of my old manager who just led better than anybody I know. And she's my same age when we were friends. And I was nervous about that, being managed by a friend. And she proved me wrong in the sense that it wasn't possible or it'd be challenging because she led with empathy. She was such a great role model. She delegated. She just did everything that empowered the team, empowered me to be a leader. And I think that was a, probably the biggest transformation I made in my career was being managed by her. Oh, I love that so much. And you're the first guest I've asked this question to, and I almost want to go back and like redo all of my interviews. I've had some incredible <laughs> people on here and get their answers as well. Yeah. Because it's just different how it changes for everybody. I think some people have this historical figure they look to. For me personally, there's a manager that I had named Jordan who, have you seen the meme where it's the guy that's like chipping rocks, but he quits right before he gets to the diamond? Yes. I was like, she was the person that helped me not quit in that moment like completely would have changed the trajectory of my life if I would have just thrown the towel in and given up. But she had a conversation and it was just like, I want to help you. I don't know how to help you. What's going on? And for some reason, that just like sparked a like resilience inside of me. And it's just like so much of leadership is just taking the time to show people that you care and that you're invested in their success. That you're human. She acted from a human-centric perspective, a people-centric perspective of, how are you doing? Something's going, I noticed something and I want to check in with you. There's no assumptions there. There's no filling in the gaps. It's yes. like, I want to ask you what's going on because I care about you. And a lot of things that you've touched on, the qualities allow that to happen because without emotional intelligence, 
if you're stressed out all the time as a boss, you don't even realize that you're stressed. You're just reacting to the moment. It's going to be impossible for you to have that human to human connection. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. I'm glad you had that experience. Me too. I would not be here interviewing you on this podcast without that experience. So. <laughs> exactly. I feel the same way. I Shout out to Kaylee Cartwright. She was the best manager and I think of her often. And I always say like, what would Kaylee do in this moment? How would she coach someone? And I'm grateful for her. I wouldn't be where I am in my career without her. And today I'm excited to talk about conflict resolution because this is an area, if we think about growth in organizations, if we think about leaders being more effective and learning, becoming lifelong learners, like this is a skill you need to have if you're going to lead a team well, because conflict needs to happen on a team. If you're on a team where people just avoid having impactful conversations, that's almost worse than a culture where people are just like butting heads all the time and fighting. Because in that situation, at least you know what people are thinking and you know where they stand. I like that you said that. Conflict is, to me is a good thing. It's not a bad thing in any way. We shouldn't lean into it. 100%. So from your experience, what are the most common root causes of conflicts within teams and in organizations? I would say really poor communication Communication breakdowns, increased tension between colleagues. I think there's the misunderstanding, the like anything that lacks clarity or could be misinterpreted. I also obviously personality clashes can be the center of conflict as people have different work styles and perspectives yeah. that cause that conflict. I think I read somewhere that 49% of office conflicts happen due to personality clashes. And that totally makes sense. We're different humans, different people, different experiences. So we approach things differently. So I think a lot of that is just in how we communicate differently and how our work styles are different. And when we don't seek to ask for clarity, that's when the conflict happens. And something that you touched on, I think is important that there's some conflict that you want to happen because people are different and you need people to come together and understand each other at a deeper level. And that happens as we effectively manage conflict. But there also is some conflict that's happened just because you as a leader aren't communicating effectively and people are trying to fill the gaps themselves and kind of create these narratives that are untrue, but they just don't have all the information. So they're doing their best to try to like understand why things are happening. And depending on the kind of person, if they don't have all the information, sometimes they're going to like go down to a really dark place and assume the worst, you know, all the time. So I love that you bring up the, the clarity of communication. What are some early indicators? If we're looking at our team and we think there might be some unhealthy conflict happening and we're trying to decide if we should jump in or not, what are some things we should be looking for? Definitely when communication is just breaking down and it seems like the conversation is missing. So when people are talking past each other, definitely think when there's intention between individuals, I think there's this, when you see someone that's just not comfortable, body language, you can sense that they're had this increased discomfort. I think amongst teams, when you see less collaboration, you see behavioral changes in an individual or in team dynamics you have a dip in employee engagement or someone's individual engagement. There's more gossiping rumors that goes further into like change in productivity. Yeah. And then I think the last bit is, and this is when you see, I think from a manager, if I'm a direct report, if my manager starts micromanaging me, there's a sense of distrust or that's a sign to me of distrust. And so I, I often think that there's something going on here, a conflict that something's unspoken. Yeah, something is unspoken. I love that tactic. Like you notice a change. You're not exactly sure what happens. What should you do? So you're on a team. You notice that like this person is usually speaking out in meetings, super engaged. And now they're not saying anything or sometimes the opposite even where like this person was kind of pretty self-sufficient. And now like they're asking for help all the time. 
like sometimes there's changes that we notice in people. What are some tactics we can take as we start to see these changes happen? And we're not sure exactly, you know, what's leading to them. I think it's doing exactly what our past managers have done of just approaching from a human-centric perspective. I've noticed using an I statement, right? Instead of saying, you seem to be X, Y, Z. I being very specific in, I've noticed a change in your behavior or your engagement. I've noticed that you tend to speak less in our meetings now. Wondering what's behind that and what I can do to support you. Practically speaking, your intention for why you're having this conversation is going to reduce the anxiety or the like any tension. It's building the trust and creating a safe space. A hot word or a phrase is psychological safety here. So yeah. you want to create that environment. And so with that approach, you first want to start there to lead into the conversation, but really coming from a specific tactical, like a, calling out a specific observation is the most important way to start. So not saying you seem stressed, but I have noticed you're doing these things. Uh-huh. So having that conversation of just being specific, here's the things that I'm observing, but not connecting the dots for them. Because like, then I think we're projecting and people can get defensive if they feel like we're telling them how they feel. You know, it's not always a productive tactic, but just talking about what you're noticing, reminding them that you care, and then finding a path forward. Look at us creating frameworks <laughs> and on, on the spot in a podcast. On the, on, on the spot. I mean, <laughs> even doing what you just did of like when someone says something and re and packaging it and like saying it back to them shows that you were actively listening because we all know that active listening isn't as common and isn't as practiced as we would like it to be. And so being able to prove that you've listened to someone and you're getting confirmation for what they just said goes a long way. So just your example, what you just did is exactly what's important in having a conversation around any conflict or any feedback conversation. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, but I really feel like this is the differentiator in leadership because we don't need all the knowledge. I think that there was a point where like the smartest people were the leaders because they had all the knowledge, they had the access to the resources, but now everybody has a cell phone. So like we have all the data we need. We have chat GPT that can solve a lot of problems for us. I feel like at this point, like the most critical role for a leader is to be human centric and be empathetic and just take the time to understand people because that's the one thing that robots can't do. Probably maybe soon they'll be able to, but <laughs> we aren't there yet. You know, that's like the one thing that we have going for us. So that's so important to me. That's why I think the practicing and leading with empathy is really important and having that ability to have a open mindset and also understand the differences. I mean, that's the work of diversity, equity, inclusion, you know, and belonging is the idea of understanding cultural differences. My parents are immigrants. I operate very differently because of how my parents navigated coming to this country and how they wanted to assimilate. And so the way that I view hierarchy or directness is different because of the culture that I grew up in. And it's two cultures. And so I'm learning and mitigating through what I've seen my parents navigate and how they've had to learn and what's gone well for them to now realizing, okay, I need to create my own identity and I need to, so it's just something that we need to be always think about the cultural differences and why being inclusive in our mindset requires us to think about the diversity of your employee base or, you know, people don't have the same experiences as you. So you have to treat them differently and you have to seek to understand their perspective. It's less about you. The person you're working with, like today is not their starting point. They had this lifelong journey that created this person or was involved in creating this person, developing in your perspective of it. But like they have these perspectives for a reason. So something I've seen working with leaders and working in organizations is that a leader's approach 
to feedback will often lead to conflict on a team. Is this something that you see as well? And what are some things we can do about that? Yes, I've definitely seen that. I think a lot of that is because feedback can seem so negative always and be a judgment, a leadership's ability. And I think that's the challenge of I'm asking for feedback, but I know best. So the way I would frame feedback to really reduce the likeliness of conflict is having that thoughtful and empathetic approach and beginning again with that, expressing that positive intent. What's the goal of this feedback conversation? It's to help someone grow and help them you know, improve their capabilities and also improve the working relationship usually. So it's the benefit of all that we have this conversation. I think it's really important to focus on the behavior and this situation, again, yes. being specific, articulating the behaviors and the actions. I think I heard Hibba on one of your past podcasts say, you know, her pet peeve is when people are just generalizing and saying, you tend to be X. And it's like, no, no, what's the specific example? Let's wrap both of our minds around this specific situation so that I can sit here and say, okay, I remember what you're talking about. Now we're on the same page. So really getting to that specific example, it also won't feel like that personal attack. It's not a judgment on who that person is at all. It's really about what happened, the impact of the particular situation or, or action step. And so I think that's important. I also, you know, back in the day when I learned feedback, it was really about choosing the right place and time. I used to do Friday feedbacks circles with our organization. You know, every Friday we'd be with my colleagues and our students in a circle providing feedback to each other. That's like 40 people in a, a circle. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was a little intense. And so I had to determine when was it appropriate to give feedback to an individual in that circle versus one-on-one. -on -one. It was based on knowing those individuals and also figuring out, is this a opportunity to role model how to give feedback? And is this a teaching moment? But generally, I would say, you know, just knowing, is this person going to receive it better one-on-one -on -one or in a group setting? And again, always using I statements. It's so easy for someone to say, you always do this. I hear that all the time. The You're always doing X or you're always doing Y. And that just feels like an attack. And so, it's, again, getting to the I saw this or I noticed this is a better framework. And then I just would also say focusing on asking for input and making sure that there's an understanding of the viewpoint and that follow-up also being balanced with feedback. Sometimes people think feedback is a bad thing. It's not. It's a good thing. So like being able to say, this is what you've done really well, and this is something that you can grow up in. They're both important to reinforce what behaviors is going to help someone be successful in the workplace. I think that's a great call out. Like the positive feedback and recognition is maybe more important, maybe just as important. They both play critical roles, but it's going to also paint a picture for this person because the feedback you're giving them is this person is using to create a narrative of how they think about themselves. And so if you're telling them the positive things, the value that they bring to their team. And again, you're specific with it. It's not a general statement of good job. I appreciate you. But it's like, you did this thing. This is the impact that that had. Like, thank you so much. We're better because you're here as a team. Like people want to work for that boss. And they're also going to be a lot more receptive when it comes to like, Here's a small change you can make to how you approach your work. Like it's going to be received differently because this person now sees that you're invested in them as a person. And you're not walking in the room the second week on the job and their first conversation with you is you criticizing them for the things that they're doing wrong because they're new. Of course, they're doing things wrong. They have to learn how to do their role. So my favorite is that shit sandwich. My coworker has deemed it. That's a great phrase for it. Shit sandwich. Yeah. And I, it's like, you're great. You show up on time for everything. And I really appreciate your enthusiasm. You really are horrible at a blah, 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 blah. 
But you know what? Appreciate that you come back every day and, and with a smile on your face. Yeah, for the sure. Fuck? I just like I don't I don't know what to do with what that. What do I do with that? Yeah, yeah. For sure. So I I think that's a really important being authentic and genuine and using those specific examples on both go a long way. And I think to your point, like the positive recognition don't always have to be the same conversation. No, it's just think of the employee's experience working with you or your peers or your boss, whoever it might be. I think that it's good to give recognition and feedback up as well as down, but like making it think of the whole picture. It doesn't have to be every conversation because I agree like that sandwich is like, oh, who made that up? I'm curious, like who invented it? How did it catch traction? It doesn't work at any level. So because people don't even hear the feedback, they hear like the positive at the end and they're like, oh, everything is fine. I don't need to change. Most of the time you're missing whatever the most important part of that feedback conversation was without a doubt. So I'm with you on that. I like to retire that. I'm like, let's retire that shit sandwich, please. And then something else you talked about is receiving feedback. And how can that be a useful tactic in resolving conflict on a team? Receiving feedback is so important. I learned both at one of my last organizations of how important it was to receive feedback, listen, actively listen. It's human nature to listen, but you want to have a response. So like three or five seconds into it, it's like, I have a response. No, 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 no. Just listen. You don't always have to respond to feedback. You have to spend, it's better. You don't have to. It is better for you as a human to just receive it and listen. If you don't understand something or there's a clarity that you need, ask a follow-up question so you can understand the core of the feedback. It would be damaging to both parties if you said, okay, I understood the feedback and you didn't and you walk away and the same behavior happens. So that confirmation of did I hear this correctly is huge. And I think thanking the person for that feedback also, like that was something I learned is just thanking someone because that's, it takes courage to give someone feedback, especially upward, right? And so the thank you or the acknowledgement that someone cared enough to take time out of their day to provide that feedback is huge. So I always like to thank someone for their feedback because I want to keep it going. I'm a lifelong learner. If I like have a negative response to it and I'm dismissive, then nine times out of 10, someone's not going to give me that feedback in the future when I really need it. So I want to keep encouraging that behavior. Your team can see if you're saying you want something, but then you clearly don't value it. And they're going to respond based on what they see you value. I have an analogy I use in my newsletter, which is for a specific sports beverage that a a certain YouTuber created. And my kids, like they wanted it forever, like not forever. I mean, they they asked for it like when it came out and I was like, all right, I'll order some for you guys. And they ordered it and they wouldn't even drink it. They take like two drinks. They'd carry their bottle around. There was like almost full bottles, like on the counter, like in the backseat of the car. One time, one of my sons like dumped it out at the park and filled it up with water. <laughs> they just wanted so just to use it as a water bottle. They just wanted to look. So I'm like, I'm never going to buy this for you again. You clearly don't actually value this product. And it's more expensive than like a drink you'll actually drink. And But I think we do that same thing with feedback that we receive. Where we say we want it, but then people see that we don't value it. We don't interact with it. We don't even take the time to really understand it. And or we get defensive and we like switch it around like, well, this is actually your problem, not something <laughs> I'm doing wrong. And like that person's not going to give feedback to that boss any longer because already uncomfortable to bring bad news to your boss. So Absolutely. I love that analogy. I'm going to borrow it from you. I won't say I will steal it from you. I'd love to borrow it I posted it, it on me. my LinkedIn. You know, there we go. There we go. They, copy they, and paste. They, copy I, love, and paste. I love it. I think that's so <laughs> important. That duality of just like, I feel like you want it, but then when your reaction to it is so negative or so dismissive, then there's no point. It's not going to do anything for me to share that feedback. It's actually going to put me in this place of feeling like I'm going to be 
get in trouble or there's going to be retaliation. And that's an unhealthy place to be. So what do we learn? How do we learn from conflict? Because usually they're viewed as negative. We've talked about a lot of the downsides and how to give and receive feedback. But in actuality, there are positive elements. You do need conflict in your culture. So how do we navigate that? What lessons can we learn? I mean, I think it gets back to just how you approach feedback conversations. To me, conflict resolution, those skills are so valuable and contribute to a healthier work environment. Healthier environment between anybody, whether it's actually professional or personal, it creates a better work environment, better working relationship among colleagues. You have more increased productivity and it's just a more positive organizational culture. So I think it's changing the mindset about it and leaning into what am I going to get out of this? How is this going to help us be more innovative, more productive? Think outside the box. How is it going to improve our culture and the like environment? Right now we're working remotely. The connection that you can get through a computer is not the same as in person. We just have to be real on that. And so being able to have more abilities to deal with conflict through this digital era and virtual space is so important in changing how people feel and how they engage in their work, especially through a computer. What are you seeing the, the impacts of moving to digital in the world of conflict? I see it working well, better and for some people, and it's harder for others. So I think the lack of connection can be hard for many people. And so without having that, you know, water cooler talk or just going by someone's desk, you don't have those natural conversations as much. And so you're forced to put yourself out there a little bit more in order to have some tougher conversations or pull someone aside. So I think it creates more intention out. You need to be more intentional when you're having dealing with conflict in this virtual space. I think having more tools for feedback and collaboration is also important. So how are we communicating or enacting differently that allows us to communicate some of our challenges in different ways that work for us and who we are based on our culture, our comfort level, our communication tendencies, you know, our perspectives, all that. And our emotional intelligence as well. So I think the picking up on nonverbal cues is huge. I love watching any meeting and even putting it on mute and seeing people's facial expressions. It's so telling. So there's an opportunity, I think, to lean more into that body language and seeing someone didn't understand this because they have like a, er, I don't know what's going yeah. on, like deer in headlights uh, look. That's a cue to me that someone's not fully understood or something's jarring and that's an opportunity for me to lean in. So I think it's really being able to take account for what you're noticing in those conversations in this digital age more. Yeah, don't assume that everything's okay. Like no. take time to just understand and let people know that you see them. Because sometimes even that alone will just like be a huge win for that person and just having somebody like really see them, like notice the fact that like they are off a little bit today or they are in a good mood or whatever it might be. People appreciate that somebody is noticing and paying attention. Yes. If I say like everything's fine with a tone <laughs> and my facial expressions off, someone's going to say, okay, you said you're fine. The words that came out of your mouth were that you were fine. Yeah. And noticing something else. So I think that's really important. So I love that you said that, calling that out is, and it's so coming from a place of care. And it's like an acknowledgement that I'm human, that you notice what's going on. Yeah. Respect. So yeah, I love that. Just being available, not necessarily feeling like you have to fix a person's problems or like forcing them to tell you if they're not comfortable, because maybe it's just not the right time, but just like letting them know if you want to talk, I'm here. I'm happy to, even if it's just to vent, I'm happy to listen. So I'm a listening ear. I have my colleagues that I, have on standby. I need to just talk something out. I'm a person who vents it out, 
has to get it all out and then can get into problem solving mode. So I need people around me that know me well enough that can hear that, help me let it go and move on together. Right. And so I think that's really critical just to be that listening ear. We talked about personal growth and self-awareness. That was something, a a trap I fell into a lot where somebody would come vent about something and I would immediately go to like, let's fix it. And they're like, that's not what I'm looking for right now. I just need to like talk through this. And so there were certain people that knew like, if I want to just vent, don't go to Jacob because he's going to be the fixer. But when they were ready to fix a problem, then they would come to me. But I learned like, okay, different hats, different situations. And I learned just to ask, like, what can I do? How can I support you? And then sometimes like, let's talk through this. And sometimes it's, I just need someone to talk to about it. And it's good to be comfortable with both, in my opinion. That's a huge learning. And it's important to have those fixers in your life. So good to know I may hit you up where there are any fixes. Um, I owe you one for being on this podcast. So happy to help. (laughs) I appreciate that. But And you're right. It's just like what I think asking, what are you looking for? It's such a small question, but it's so important and it changes the conversation and the quality of the conversation and what that person really meeting their needs so i love that you said that i want to double down on that that was a really great important point i want to wrap this up with a personal story so will you tell us a time where you saw conflict in the workplace and you played a role what'd you do what happened Let's share, but this is the tea spilling this is the tea spilling i love it yeah. i got permission um yeah okay good. <laughs> before i tell the story so it was probably 2014 and i had a new colleague who'd been at the organization, but joined my team. A very different role was I went from like a student focus role to a sales role. And I'd been in that role for a while already. And so, you know, I was working longer hours and this individual was working their normal hours like they were working with students. So it was pretty much done when the students were done or by five o'clock. I was working until seven or eight and I was like, what is going on? And I was filling in all these gaps. I was making assumptions like they don't care. They're not as committed as I am. But I also had seen them hustle really well in their previous role. So I I knew it wasn't that. And I'd sent something and I was frustrated and I knew I the only thing I could do was address it. So I we were in our little office and I just said, I think we need to talk because there's a lot of tension right now and it's not healthy and I want to work with you. It's important for us to work together what the fuck is going on? Excuse my language. Um, I'm a potty mouth. I'm from Brooklyn. Um, we can say fuck. We can uh, say fuck on this yes. podcast. We're good. <laughs> yes. Okay. Thank you. Um, I won't get in trouble with my parents. It's allowed. No rule breaking today. I might get in trouble. My dad might send me a text. He's like, Jake, why? <laughs> That's exactly my parents. Um, but I, I just was like, this is not a good feeling. I don't want this and we can't operate this way. So like, what the fuck? What's the challenge here? I see that you leave earlier than me. And it was only about the two of us at that moment. And I was like, I just want to understand why and how are you getting all your work done? No judgment here, but maybe there's something I can learn because I'm busting my ass working crazy hours. What can I learn from you essentially in that moment as well? And it opened up the dialogue completely. We were real with each other. We were very direct. And she's like, I work 7.30 to 5. I come in for the students for the last three years. So while you're coming in maybe later... I'm already here. So that's was her mentality. And she was like, I'm getting work done. I'm still, I definitely like to have more boundaries in my life. And, but I appreciate, she appreciated what, how she was coming off. And it was also a realization that I just want a partner to work with. I had been working solo in sales. And so I was also seeking that partnership. And so she asked me, what's your issue with it? And I was like, well, you're calling me out on something. And it was actually like, my issue is it's not necessarily on what your output is because you have great output. I seek your 
partnership. I want to have you as a thought partner. I want to work with you more. And I feel like we don't have time to do that normally when you leave at five. So how do we put that as a day? And fast forward, we are really great friends. That conversation built our friendship not and our working relationship that she's was my go-to person for the next seven years. And to this day, I still ping her with questions. She is a really important person in my life who I care about her opinion. And she's always going to give me direct feedback, always. And so I'm thankful for that conversation. I'm thankful I didn't avoid it. I could have. It would have been detrimental to our relationship and to me as a human. So it was a win-win. And we have lots of photos of our war rooms where we were working late at night and we got through it together. And it ended up being exactly what both of us needed. And so something that I heard happen, and it's an analogy I've heard in the past, but you turned your chairs. And so kind of a visualization is imagine two people sitting back to back, right? So they can't see each other. They're kind of making up their own narratives of what's going on. But it takes the courage of one person to first turn their chair and look at the other person and invite them to, hey, like, let's look at each other. Let's understand each other at a deeper level and figure out what's happening here. And when that doesn't happen in organizations, if you find both people that are against each other kind of creating their own tribes. And this one issue that started with one, as one-on-one is now like there's different clicks that form and now it, be, it spreads throughout the organization. So having somebody like yourself and your partner to show the leadership, like let's figure this out together, it just makes it a better place for everybody. But it requires that vulnerability of being open and inviting the conversation because there is that risk that that person might be like, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to do this, which hurts, right? Like as a person, it hurts. So I think a lot of times we're defensive because we want to prevent those moments. But it also prevents a moment of being accepted and creating a mutual connection. Vulnerability is really important in in those conversations because you're coming from a place of, I'm sharing something that I don't really feel comfortable normally with. And I'm giving you my authentic emotional an answer usually. You're sharing something that's deep that you don't necessarily want to put out there as easily. And so it's something to honor and it's critical to lead with some vulnerability. It takes practice though. It does. It takes practice. It's not the game. Like you have to like get the reps in and get started. The first time you try to resolve a conflict is going to be your worst time because you'll (laughs) learn from it. It'll be better next time, but you have to go through the reps to get there. And you also learn to approach conflict different based on each person. So as we said earlier, it's getting to know, okay, this person, based on the trust that we have, I'm going to approach conflict with them this way. With someone else, I'm going to approach it differently. And so you're trying, and it's the fail fast model to me. Like, and that's the lifelong learning. Like I did it once. Horribly. I landed flat on my face, but it's a fail forward. How do you get up and do it better the next time? So I love to leave our audience. I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but are there a few tools or resources that we can point them to to continue their education and some of the topics we've discussed today? Absolutely. I mean, one of my favorite books is the Critical Conversations book. I think that's immensely important to giving people tactical ways of how to handle it. Um, so I have it sitting right next to me because it's always right next to me right here crucial conversations. Yeah. I think it's just something that is easy and people can, it's short. And so people can go through and quickly say, okay, it's working on me first. How do then I like figure out how my self-awareness and then I can approach someone else. And so it's really starting with them. Predictive Index has a great tool. Inspire is one of my favorite parts of it, really helping with a self-awareness, understanding who you are, your behavioral motivators, your needs. I mean, that's what I used 15 years ago that helped me create my self-awareness of I need to articulate my needs to others. So I always plunk that. But generally, I just think trying to start with a place of growth in your mentality is the first step. And if you really are committed to growing as an individual, critical conversations, 
conflict resolution, all that will be easy. It will become second nature. I love feedback. I live and breathe by feedback now. And that's a shift that I had to make over the last 15 years. And it's done me well, I think. <laughs> I love it. No, and I definitely recommend people checking out Predictive Index, an incredible tool to, for your organizationals. Just understanding your employees at a deeper level, but also crucial conversations. If you're not a reader, find a YouTube video with like a five minute summary. Just become aware of some of the concepts that they discuss because it's definitely, it's impactful. They do a great job of making it very easy to take action on with the concept they discuss. Yeah, and there's one other book that my colleagues actually just shared with me called Us also really helpful on having difficult conversations. So I need to check that one out. I actually don't have that one on my bookshelf. Yeah, I just, I got that from my colleague about two weeks ago. Well, Jackie, thank you so much for being here on the Leaders Lens podcast. You're an incredible guest. We'll have to figure out a time to bring you back some point in the future. I love it. Thank you so much, Jacob. This was a wonderful and I appreciate you highlighting such an important topic. Thank you for listening to the show. Don't miss another episode of Leaders Lens and the inside scoop on becoming a great leader. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love Leaders Lens, please tell a friend.